amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. This season has been an even more bizarre version of last season because going into this season, I was like, finally, we got a whole year of healthy Bobby Ryan, MacArthur's back, we got this baby, and then... Finally, we get the one thing we've never gotten from Bobby Ryan, a healthy year. And Why not this year? Why I'm, not now? I'm like, oh, this top six is going to be so strong, I can't yeah. wait to, like, Zach Smith and Peugeot in the third line, things are going to be cooking. I'm not checking Clark MacArthur's house on Realtor.ca. <laughs> <laughs> a month in, this has changed to, I am digging Di Domenico on the second line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, within another month, you'll be like, you know who's underrated? Pat Seeloff. <laughs> He's really come in and stabilized that you know, first pairing. I get why they're keeping Shabbat down there. I know he needs to work a couple of things out if he's going to play on his offside. But Pat Seeloff, he does what you pay him for. <laughs> you got it in red. Remember Todd White? Where did Eric Carlson eat last night? It doesn't matter if you asked. It's the Chet and Luke Podcast. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode Gonchar of the Chet Sellers and Luke Peristi podcast. I'm Luke, and I'm joined, as always, by the current backup goalie for the Vegas Golden Knights. It's Chet Sellers. <laughs> How you doing, man? Pleasure to be here. I'm doing the show. not great, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, you and I were just at that game against the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, did they win that game? They did not. No. I think they got uh, like four or five power play goals scored against. I think so. Going into that game, you know, you're already wary of afternoon games against bad teams because, you know, you've watched the Senators right. before. and Against you know, bad teams that didn't exist three months ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, as you were saying against on our way. bad teams that were orange. <laughs> as you said, like, we can go in there and like, no one's going to see Ottawa play the Vegas Golden Knights before you and me like we're making history here yeah, we are early adopters although not as early adopters as the couple that i saw wearing matching vegas golden knights jerseys at their first game in ottawa how much do you have to hate your city to become a vegas golden knights fan in ottawa you're like ah, oh, finally a team that speaks to me yeah exactly a guy who goes to casinos a lot <laughs> i'm gonna get excited about the golden uh. the golden knights because you know Mark Mathot used to play for them, and he's a local talent. You know what? I didn't really relate to any of the 30 existing teams, but now, finally, I think I've found a natural fit. Sometimes i got to ask myself, who is this for? And when the Vegas Golden Knights were written into existence, I said, who is this for? And the answer was, that guy. Yeah. That guy from Ottawa. He, he was just happy to finally have something to cheer for. <laughs> I'm getting in on the ground floor of this bungalow. Oh, my God. Anyway, that game was a bummer. And the only way that I think it would have been more of a bummer walking out would have been 
as I had earlier predicted, that the Senators were going to trade Andrew Hammond to Vegas and he was going to come to town from Belleville and shut the Senators out. Well, like, we knew the Ottawa Senators couldn't win an afternoon game. It was just kind of, you know, what form would their doom take <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon at but 2 p.m.? This is, this is my problem because they now are off until next Friday afternoon when they play what is an afternoon game for us, but an evening game for the good people of Stockholm, Sweden. So they've got six days to think about this and six days to recuperate, and you think they would have kind of left a little more out on the ice, that being the case. They were kind of trying to play a Dave Cameron special where they, ah, we can win this by playing one good period, let's see what happens. (laughs) And to be fair, it nearly worked. Yeah. But I kind of feel like that when you're playing an expansion team made up of other teams, third and fourth liners, featuring like a fourth string goalie that can barely start in the ECHL, maybe you got to have that one at home like maybe that's a hot take but like we were talking about maxime legacy like not even the good m legacy by the way um <laughs> and like echl goalie like eight six eight eighty six eight eighty three eight eighty eight he, he's played one game for the texas stars and that's the only time you, he's posted a 900 save percentage in the AHL. fuego yelling at your phone right now <laughs> as you look up echl save percentages for i actually thought it was manny legas i didn't realize it <laughs> It was Maxime Legas. <laughs> I didn't even know the difference between those two guys. I didn't even know those were two different people. I didn't even know Vegas was a team until today. Put a stamp on me. I'm going postal. Oh, I'm, my God. I'm not fond of this whatever that was. They're doing the video work before the game, and they're like, uh, his weakness is pucks, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Yeah, shoot it in the general direction of the net. It's probably got a decent chance of going in. Yeah, exactly. Um, We'll give it up for Vegas on this. They did a great job of blocking shots because they knew that their goaltender was not to be trusted. Ottawa was taking a lot of shots and not a lot were getting through. But still, you got to have that one, guys. You got to have that one. And if you're already looking ahead to Sweden, if you're already thinking about those lingonberry pancakes or those Swedish fish... Or a third equally cliched and borderline culturally insensitive reference. Uh, you got to get your head in the game on Saturday um, afternoon. Sweden. Um, I'm thinking weirdly written thriller novels, or is that more of a Norwegian thing? It's all, is that all of Scandinavia? I can't remember. I think basically we've talked about this before. It really is the land of the grim police procedural. <laughs> Where at the end of the day, the detective might actually get the perp, but he or she is morally compromised in doing it. <laughs> Each episode closes with the man sitting in a chair smoking a brand of cigarette I can't pronounce. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And this comes on the heels. We did our last podcast two weeks ago when the Senators had just beaten the Toronto Maple Leafs but lost Bobby Ryan to a broken finger. And since that time, they've gone 2-2-2 with five of those six games coming on home ice where they are terrible. That's only slightly better than going 1-3-1. and one. Um, <laughs> aha, A little system joke there for you uh, avid fans. I want to go 1-4-1. One, one. <laughs> <laughs> that being, uh, we can talk about trades in a minute. <laughs> so the Ottawa Senators... Are uh, they good? Like, I don't think the Senators are bad, but I do think they look... I don't know. They look sluggish. They look discombobulated. Eric Carlson does not look like himself. Maybe six days off and a transatlantic flight will help them get some home cooking, get some Swedish rejuvenation, some hot stone massage. I don't know what Mm -hmm. people do over there. But then they're going to come back and they're going to play like 
13 games in 17 days on the road because they've been kicked out of their own building for a curling tournament. So, like, these are the easy points they should be racking up at home early in the year. And then you see an orange team beat yours uh, with an ECHL goalie. uh, And an ECHL jersey, if we're honest. If we're honest, on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, it's, it's spiritually disconcerting. Clip art looking ass logo. <laughs> no, look, it's actually a V. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay, because nothing says Golden Knights like the letter V. Yeah, it's like you want to put a letter in your logo, just do what we did and just make it an O. And then don't put it on your jersey. The place is called Las Vegas, right? Yes. But the team name is just Vegas. Yes. It's like naming a baseball team the Francisco Giants. <laughs> like <laughs> That's incredibly strange, right? Yeah. Okay. I'd like you to meet my friend Antonio Spurs. <laughs> uh, big fan of the York Yankees. Yeah. Antonio's a little down since his wife left him. And like, why does this team exist? So Mark Mathot leaves the team? Yes, That's right. exactly. These idiots went out to the desert to prove a very important point, and now we don't have Mark Mathot. Yeah, if you build it, they will come, and then they'll come to Ottawa and beat your team, yeah. and I don't care for it. I could use Mark Mathot right now. I feel like he's the net front presence that the Senators are missing, along with half a dozen other things. Well, they're also missing Mark Borowiecki, and you know, I'm not sure if you've heard this, but Mark Borowiecki is good this year. <laughs> this is like this is like the hot new take that people are like jumping on the bandwagon of. Mark Borowiecki, actually decent. Yeah, Mark Borowiecki, always liked him. Yeah, and it's like, you want to have your hot take, but like other people got there already, right? <laughs> like we all agree Mark Borowiecki is decent now. That's our talking point. So you need something even more than that. You need to say, you know what? I think he's actually the team's best defenseman. That's where you need. That's the ledge you need to get out onto. Now that we're already on the Borbiecki. Sound like sounds like someone trying to create a trade for Matt Duchesne <laughs> with Matt with Mark Borbiecki as the centerpiece. So I think we do need to talk about trades. I don't know about you, but I woke up this morning since I went to bed before midnight or twelve thirty or whenever Elliot Friedman dropped his version of a Twitter bomb. <laughs> To say that uh, last night a three-way deal fell apart that would have sent Matt Duchesne to the Senators, Kyle Turris to the Nashville Predators, and a bunch of faceless picks and prospects, none of whom were named, to the Colorado Avalanche. And the only team that had something to lose by getting that leaked was the Ottawa Senators, since everybody knows Matt Duchesne wants to be traded, and because you can't hurt a first-round pick's feelings. It's a very strange time to hear about what would be, frankly, a franchise-altering deal for, like, three teams. Yeah. So, if I mean, if the rumors are true, and they've been trying to trade tourists since the preseason because they're just not going to agree on the term of a new contract. If you're going to get rid of Kyle Turris and replace him with Matt Duchesne, who is basically Kyle Turris, but a year younger and signed for a year longer, Mm -hmm. you're just kind of kicking this problem into next year, are you not? I mean, I think if you look at this as a move to extend Ottawa's maybe cup run window, it makes sense because you're looking at, you know, last year, Ottawa had a lot of players on cheap contracts. This year, they'll have to re-sign Mark Stone, but, you know, they're still going to have Carlson at, you know, six and a half per year, so you can still, like, put together a decent core, make a couple runs at it, and then, you know, maybe lose one or two mm-hmm. guys well, mm-hmm. when you give Carlson all the money in the world. 
Between Mark Stone, Kyle Turris, and Cody Cece, all of them need new contracts before the start of next season. And in my opinion, you need to definitely sign one, definitely trade one, Mm -hmm. and one of them would be nice to have. (laughs) And I think the Ottawa Senators only share my assessment on one of those three labels that I'm putting on those players. Now let's play a game of uh, sign, trade, nice to have. (laughs) The other thing that got us all excited about Matt Duchesne was, especially in you know what looks to be our first year PM post MacArthur, mm-hmm. adding a top six forward. Right? Mm-hmm. If you add Matt Duchesne but subtract Kyle Turris, like talent wise, I mean maybe it's a little bit better, but it's still pretty close to zero sum. Right? We all what we wanted to do, what we agreed with the plan was, was that we were going to make the team better by trading Cody Cece. Mm-hmm. For Matt Duchesne. Yes. Right? One for one, as we've all agreed, <laughs> as it as it was written in the scripture. Straight up. <laughs> and you're saying, well, come on, Joe Sackick's not going to do that because Cody Cece isn't as good as Matt Duchesne. And I say, ah, but we're not trading Cody Cece one for one. We are trading the idea of Cody Cece. We are incepting Cody Cece <laughs> into Joe Sackick's brain. And that is what we are trading for Matt Duchesne. It's true. The idea of Cody Cece is very good. The idea of Cody Cece is fantastic. Like, he's 23. He's got a low number. He plays a lot of minutes. He's attractive. You know? Yeah. Who says no to that? Apparently Joe Sackick. Defensemen I- take longer to develop. You can fix him, Joe. First round pick. He's got a pedigree. He's basically the Richard Nixon of defensemen. Like, on paper, <laughs> just incredible looking. Until you actually get him in there and you're yeah. like, oh, this is going to be a disaster for generations yeah. to come. Yeah. But, you know, they are going to spend a lot of time with the Avalanche over the next week. They will be there. They'll be talking to each other. They're doing a quote-unquote home-and-home series in Stockholm. Landeskog and Carlson will be hanging out, eating meatballs, taping things for, you know, Swedish cable access television or whatever they do over there. Um, (laughs) I'm assuming at some point they will either work out a deal that trades Cody Cece, excuse me, the idea of Cody Cece, one for one for Matt Duchesne, or they will figure out a third partner that actually makes sense to intermediate some kind of deal where they figure out how they're going to get, you know, Matt Duchesne to the Senators. Are your trades not working? Well, consider adding a third partner into the mix to spice up your trade discussions. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that we're having problems. It's not that we can't communicate. It's just that, you know, maybe if we had a third... Yeah, here, you know, it would be good for both of us. Yeah, it would be it would be a way to kind of you know take a leap. We know, try we know, something new. We've got some give and take worked out, but like we really need a third person to also get in there, and like maybe they've got something they can add to the <laughs> proceedings. Oh, this is like a David Crosby song. (laughs) Um, I suppose, I'm not sure what day they leave for Sweden, but I suppose they could always, if they know they're going to trade Cal Turris, which, you know, frankly, I have very mixed emotions about, you know, because he is my son, Mm -hmm. that they um, say, you know what, rather than send him off to Sweden and jet lag him for whoever he's going to play for next, we'll leave him at home and we'll work out a deal where once we're over there, we'll just give Matt Duchesne a Sens jersey and we'll call Cal Turris back in North America and tell him where he's going. It's like, we're going to get Matt Duchesne to cross the hall and then we're going to get Kyle Turris to get on a plane to God knows where. Yeah. Like a journey song. Just midnight plane <laughs> going anywhere. But these Pierre Dorian deals normally come out of nowhere. And now we've had a lot of talk about Matt Duchesne, a lot of talk about Kyle Turris. Yo, what is with Joe Sackick being so messy up in here? Like <laughs> He's man- messy and he loves drama. Yeah, he. your man keeps on leaking all these, you know, 
hot details to the media. And like, as we know, like Pierre Dorian's just, he runs a tight ship. So it, it can only be Sackett. He runs a tight plaid ship. It, it can only be Sackett who's leaking these details. Like, is, is Dorian just like tired of dealing with this guy at this point that like he can't even trade a number one center under the cover of darkness without, <laughs> you know, three TSN anchors getting wind of it? I don't know if I can send a second beautiful center to Nashville. Yeah. I don't know if I can do it. I would have liked to have sent three. Like we would have got a better return for uh, Spezza if he'd agreed to go there. <laughs> but I feel like if this for this deal to make any sense, Pierre Dorian has to have something else lined up where you know he basically defers the tourist problem for a year by trading him for Duchesne. The team doesn't necessarily get any better. Still missing a top six forward, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, boom! The idea of Cody Ceci for Alex Galchenyuk. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up, you know? I mean, it's the last deal that Mark Bergevin has to make because, yeah. I don't know, like, Carey Price is about to make $27 million a year starting <laughs> next year, so, you know, we probably can't trade that contract right away, but Alex Galchenyuk, your problem fourth liner. Yeah, it's like, Alex Galchenyuk, we know that you've been under the microscope in Montreal. We know that whatever kind of personal issues you've dealt with, that the team has maybe not supported you as much as they could, and now you've got the media basically putting your business out in the street when really it's nobody's business but yours and the team's. Why not get away from all of that negativity in a little town that we like to call Canada, where everybody knows your name, but not in a weird way, in a friendly way. Not in a weird way, and nobody talks about your business except when you're not listening. <laughs> but not on the radio. That's that's the point. Yes. That's the point I'm trying to make. Never yeah. on the radio. Daniel Alfredson's not going to go on local radio and like <laughs> talk about the wild parties you're throwing at, yeah, exactly. on a Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. Right? But, I mean, I think we all agree that what that Habs team needs is some discipline. And I don't know why they haven't announced Chris Neal yet. The only thing I can think of is that Neal has now decided that he's refusing to sign a contract because he's got his eye on that captaincy for the uh, Team Canada Olympic squad. This is a page out of Donald Trump's negotiating book. Right. Because uh, Chris Neal has, has said, I want $1.2 million. And the Habs said no. President deals. And now Chris Neal said uh, that price just got two times higher. Yeah. It, <laughs> my asking price is $2.4 million yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm going to be in Pyeongchang uh, <laughs> with Jerome Ginla on my wing as Team Canada captain. If Curtis Lazar can do it, I can do it. I'm kind of excited to cheer for Canada's Spengler Cup team to win an Olympic gold medal. That'll be fun, right? Right. Like, the other Christy Dominicos are going to get some <laughs> going to get some much needed screen time at three in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. Put on that Canadian uh, jersey and play for an audience of disinterested Koreans yeah. and whatever Canadians <laughs> happen to be awake. And Chris Neal, I thought you were being picky. I was wondering why you weren't signing a contract now i see it my man you're playing a long game olympic captain i get it i'm a deal maker and i salute you chris neal still out here <laughs> making deals shout out to guy boucher though who's able to just like keep on plugging in these faceless players that bottom six just keeps cooking yeah you know under the uh, the wise guidance and tutelage of nathan thompson nathan thompson he you know what You've heard of stick-to-itiveness? I'm going to, like, stick Thompson this. Something <laughs> like that. Like, 
He is not afraid to chip at a goalie's pads until he scores the ugliest goals you've ever seen. He's out there doing it. He looks like a dog who needs a run. Yeah, he's just he's just out there hanging around those hideous goals like a garbage goal Forrest Gump. You watch his <laughs> game and you, you would you might describe it as meat and potatoes, but that'd be incorrect because he's like, I don't need that fancy meat. Right. Give me a second order of potatoes. Exactly. Nate Thompson has a potatoes and potatoes game. <laughs> he has a potatoes and potatoes game. He also has Johnny Oduya's beard. <laughs> <laughs> Those two guys have exactly the same beard, even though they come from different sides of the ocean. Uh, yeah, they both went as Shel Silverstein for Halloween. <laughs> it's a little weird, but okay. <laughs> right, but Johnny Oduya was like child's author, Shel Silverstein, and Nathan Thompson was being a little bit more uh, risque. He was going as Shel Silverstein when he drew cartoons for Playboy. Yeah, yeah, sexy, <laughs> sexy Shel. Shel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something that I noticed Guy Boucher has started to do is uh, put Stone, Hoffman, and Broussard together mm-hmm. on one line with, you know, generally extremely good results. Yes. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time big-upping Guy Boucher and praising his system and saying, you know, we've seen enough coaches in here that we know that it's it's not just as simple as putting all your best guys on one line. <laughs> and now I'm starting to think that maybe it's just as simple as putting all your best guys on one line. Like that's <laughs> Maybe we should do that more often. They seem to be pretty dominant when yeah. there's you know three extremely talented scorers yeah. at the same time the um hoffman brassard stone line is called ruin eugene melnick's savings account line yeah <laughs> basically uh because they are going to have to open the wallet for mark stone more and more who basically has a shooting percentage on par with like steph curry at this point <laughs> and is really helping himself in rfa negotiations he had two points again today. Mm-hmm. He was like the one bright spot of what was otherwise a fairly terrible game where Eric Carlson was not skating all that fast. Yeah, Eric Carlson, uh, still not 100%. He did score a goal now. He did. I think he had an assist too. So, you know, shout out to your man with you know, 14 points in nine games <laughs> by yeah, accident. Yeah, it's like, like but, but that's still, you. it's like his 14 points in nine games where you're still like, but he's not Eric Carlson yeah, yet. Yeah, no. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's like, OK, yeah. So he's scoring one and a half points per game, but he's not dominating. The you know, way I feel like expect. this was after after a suitable period of time, like Christ would perform a minor miracle and people would be like, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> once you raise a guy from the dead, like, yeah. that's it. That's the, that's the closer. Exactly. You turn right. water into wine and now it's like, oh, yeah, you had two points against Vegas. Like, <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, why were you dogging it back on that one uh, icing call when you'd been out there for four minutes straight, you know? Eric Carlson? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was this guy beside us at the game who would periodically yell, skate Carlson. And I didn't care for that because, you know, I think that you have to be supportive of the captain right. um, at all costs. <laughs> uh, there's one guy that I will not stand for criticizing, and uh, that is my president. That guy that was yelling at Eric Carlson was also, and I'm not saying this is in any way correlated, was wearing the camo hat that we roasted in our <laughs> article on Welcome to Your Carlson Years This Week. Not the, like, digital camo with the logo on it, but, like, the real tree camo. The Eric Riba camo. The one where I literally could not see the top of his head if we were actually in the woods. Which we weren't. I mean, frankly, statistically, I think it's very unlikely that I'm going to end up in the woods with that guy. Although, (laughs) he probably has more to say about it than I do. (laughs) It's got dark. Oh my god. Here's the thing. Don't yell at Eric Carlson. He's out there on one ankle. And we still have fans who are like, he hasn't done enough for he was, us. He was going at the end of the game. He was picking his spots. And, like, it's 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 the kind of thing where you look at him and you're like, yeah, he's kind of slow, but 
he's still in better shape than he was in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, he was fine because it was like time to go. And like when it's time to go, I feel like he will be, you know, even if it was just the last 30 seconds of that game, like he will do it. He didn't even have a training camp. That was his ninth game. Like as far as he was concerned, that was his first game of the season because the first eight were all like preseason. Give it, give it till after Christmas. It'll, <laughs> it'll come guys. And yeah. he's, he's going to have like 40 points in his first 30 games and be like the main Norris contender as per usual. And we're still going to be like, all right, Eric Carlson like might be getting it back yeah. to where it used to be. Saying that Eric Carlson, though, needs to round into shape is like judging Michelangelo's David for having a four-pack instead of a six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, this was before men's health. Nobody knew you needed a six-pack. Please stop body shaming Michelangelo's David. I will not stop body shaming Michelangelo's David. <laughs> and also, and st- now I'm going to go into a riff I'm about to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> and also stop like effort shaming Eric Carlson. He's yeah. doing the best he can. Yeah. Eric Carlson is saving it for when it matters. Uh, I just hope that the Senators are able to play well enough over the next five and a half months that at some point it will matter. Because I'm a little disheartened. So uh, let's talk about our Kyle Turris feelings. Because it's becoming more and more clear that this guy is probably not going to be on the Ottawa Senators next year or even later this year. That is very possible. It's been a while since the Ottawa Senators have you know broadcast their desire to part ways with a player like this. I think maybe the last player was uh, you know Jason Spezza. And I remember that year just being, you're just waiting for that uh, giggling shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. You know, like, where's, uh, where's Jason Spezza going? I and... Look, I love Kyle Turris, and he's a guy that was rumored to have an attitude when he came to town. The Senators took a chance on him. He's rewarded them handsomely. I've been so proud of kind of what he's done like as a hockey player and as a person over the last couple of years. At the same time, I get where the team is coming from. They have to sign Carlson. They have to sign Stone. Those Ryan and Phaneuf contracts aren't going anywhere. So the guy who either has to take fewer years than he wants or less money than he wants is Kyle Turris. Mm-hmm. Like, and if they have to trade him rather than sign him to a deal that we're going to regret or let him walk, I get that. I do hope if they are going to trade him, they get something a little better than they got for Jason Spezza, which is, hang on, let me check cap-friendly, nothing. (laughs) No, 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 Nick Paul, still out here in these bingo streets. Sorry, Belleville streets, let me correct myself. Uh, Nick Paul can come around and uh, save that trade any day now. Two first-name-have-an-ass Nick Paul. (laughs) The new Chris Neal. (laughs) (laughs) He is the new Chris Neal. Kyle Turris has had one of the most team-friendly contracts in the league for the last several seasons. And so if Kyle Turris is out here saying that, you know, he wants to, you know, cash in and make his money on his next contract, Mm -hmm. I don't think it can be Ottawa that gives him that contract. And, you know, more power to him. And I hope he he gets what he wants. Yeah. Going forward, you're never going to extract more surplus from Kyle Turris than you already have. Yeah. And we got Kyle Turris's best years, and I appreciate that. And, you know, if Kyle Turris leaves Ottawa, and like the day he comes back, I will be the first person to uh, give him a standing ovation when they uh, play his highlight video, which is just going to be him beating Henrik Lundqvist in overtime over <laughs> and over and over again. Well, I, I went to the very first game in December 2011 that Kyle Turris played for the Senators, and I remember his first shift in the first period. He came over the boards and like people in the crowd started cheering, right? Because like this is our hot shot 
third overall pick that we just traded for and rescued out of Phoenix and traded David Runblad, who we all know is going to be a superstar, but we've got big hopes for Kyle Turris. Uh, and it only turned out to be the best trade or the second best trade maybe in Senators history or maybe top three between Spezza, Elliot for Anderson and Runeblad for Torres, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those three. And I was just kind of like, wow, I hope this guy is a good player for the Senators. But I also hope that, you know, now that he's here, he's going to settle down. He obviously has the support of the community behind him. It was kind of the same way, not that they're in any way comparable, when the Senators traded for Danny Heatley, mm-hmm. right? Because Danny Heatley was a guy that had had for lack of a better term, some kind of major personal-ish. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to use the adjective troubled very euphemistically yeah. here. <laughs> and, you know, he came to Ottawa and, like, the whole city got behind him and, you know, was like, you know, you've made some mistakes. We're all ready to help you move on. And, you know, then next thing you know, he's scoring 50 goals. Uh, and then, unfortunately, then the next thing after that was him demanding his, his way out of town, which Kyle Turris, to his credit, never did. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, well, Kyle Turris, he's come here. We've given him his money. He's never complained about how much he makes. He's been a huge guy in the community. He's made a life here and got married and started a family and all of that. And I think he would love to stay in Ottawa. But at the same time, I understand why he wants eight years of guaranteed income. Mm-hmm. And I understand why the senators don't want to give it to him. You want to max out that earning potential? Well, you can yeah. because you know you got a you got a family to feed. So I mean, this is Saturday afternoon. We'll have to see what happens. We may have just watched Kyle Turris's last game. We may or we may not have. The weird thing about the whole <laughs> bold prediction. The weird thing about the timeline, though, is that you know is before the game before with uh, Detroit. We we had the. Uh, the new meme of 22 scouts. <laughs> 22 scouts in the building at the Canadian Tire Center. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what are they all here to see? It's got to be, and by that, I mean, are they here to see tourists or are they, are they here to see CC? They were here to see the idea of Cody CC. Yes. And then, to be fair, the idea of Cody CC and Cody CC, his physical form, like his actual corporeal like presence, scored a goal that ended up being waved off in the first period. And I was kind of like... Pretend ne- it counted. Never counted a better in your time. mind. The it's idea like, of that goal was very good. It's like, you know how we talk about Eric Carlson stepping up when it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, basically dominating the playoffs on one foot, doing things that people can't do on two feet, on the biggest stage, under the most pressure. That's when the truly great players kind of seize their moment. That was Cody Cece scoring a goal in front of 22 scouts yeah. on Thursday night. Being, that was... being heavily scouted is Cody Cece's Stanley Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that if there's a trade imminent that's so specific that Elliot Friedman can go, these three teams are going to trade these three assets. Yes. You know, why does there need to be 22 scouts in the building? I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that Pierre Dorian said low-key, hey, Kyle Torres is on the market. We're trying to figure out an intermediary with Colorado. That's what I think is is happening here is I think that because um, they're like we're I, not sending all these scouts up to watch Cody CC. Yeah, it's like we know we know his deal. Yeah. He's got great eyebrows and bad outlet passes. But can I can I sell you on the idea of Cody CC? <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'm talking to a dial tone. All right. <laughs> we can also compare and contrast the uh, styles of uh, Dorian and Joe Sakic here because Joe Sakic's just made a huge meal of this Duchesne <laughs> trade, if we're honest. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I don't I don't want like just one first-line center. Yeah. I need a first-line center and also a first-round pick and also your best prospect. It is weird that Pierre Dorian can take the role of the guy who's like laid back, let's see what happens, when he also made, by my conservative estimate, about 45 trades last year. 
<laughs> like, everybody knows that Pierre Dorian likes to deal. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they still can't figure out something for Duchesne means that Joe Sackick is out of his tree. Here's my new prediction. The Sens are going to pick up Duchesne between the two Sweden games. So he's going to play <laughs> Friday night for Colorado and Saturday night for Ottawa. Not even going to switch lockers. Nope. He's going to play. He's going to be in the home dressing room for both. <laughs> And here's the thing, is that when Matt Duchesne, because it's definitely going to happen, when Matt Duchesne arrives in Ottawa, are you going to feel like that's the trade that this fan base did? Because announced Duchesne has been a bit of a meme for a while now. And so when a Shane is when Duchesne is finally announced, are we going to be are you going to be like, yes, we did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's right. Um, Pierre Dorian uh, responds specifically and only to memes. <laughs> if... The Colorado Avalanche fan base had been on Twitter with, like, hashtag announce CC. This would have been done long ago. <laughs> Except the Sens fans are the ones saying announce CC yeah. to Colorado for <laughs> Duchesne one for one. Uh, well, here's where I see us. The Senators are 6-3-5, and five, which is okay but not great. They've been playing okay but not great for the last couple of weeks. Now they're going to have a basically a whole week off, go to Sweden, play two games, quote-unquote, home-and-home, come back, have most of another week off, and then play a ton of games on the road. Like, that's going to be a weird couple of weeks, but we will know by mid-December whether this team is going to be a serious contender or not. I feel like Ottawa is going to sneak up on teams again because they're going to get healthy at the right time. They're going to make some good trades, and then suddenly we're going to have like James Myrtle out here be like, "Who knew the Sens were actually good?" <laughs> it's like now that Jack Rodewald is off the fourth line. No, is Myrtle, that not real? Is Myrtle that is going to be tweeting. Um, well, if the Leafs can't catch Tampa for the division lead, who else could? Boston, <laughs> Florida. <laughs> Montreal still in the mix. Yeah, Detroit has four points, but you know, still in the mix. Anybody else? No. <laughs> It would have been nice to go off to Sweden with a win against Vegas. Uh, it'll be a weird week. The Ottawa Senators are going to give you the greatest gift of all, an excuse to drink the daytime on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I am hoping that Eric Carlson finds what he needs in Sweden, whether it's pickled herring or Nordic yak milk or whatever it happens to be. Perhaps just a mother's love. That could be it. That could be it. Daniel Alfredson will be there in Sweden. They're all just going to be riding bikes around. Exactly. In, in in skinny, skinny pants. I love it. What do you think the TV spots are going to be like for a Swedish local access television? <laughs> uh, well, they'll all be filmed on video, first of all. Yeah. They'll all look like old VHS Be Betamax, uh, huge in Sweden, by the way. It's yeah. the only country that actually fully adopted the yeah. format. And it'll be like Eric Carlson just like playing street hockey with like a little kid and then all of a sudden, the little kid will say something in Swedish I don't understand. And Carlson will laugh. And then it'll just cut to a grainy shot of someone spreading pickled herring on a very thin cracker. And it'll be like... <laughs> it'll be like... Uh, class invention. <laughs> and then the kid will eat it and he'll like not love it. And that will still be like the most upbeat Swedish commercial that anyone has ever seen. Even that's like a metaphor in Sweden. It's like, look, you may not love this, but it's good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Games in Sweden. Yeah. I like the idea that there's going to be like a Swedish meatball competition between Eric Carlson's mom and Gabriel Landeskog's mom. <laughs> and they're, at the end of at the end of it, Eric Carlson is going to say to Gabriel Landeskog, your mom makes the best meatballs. The, honestly, then, <laughs> the, the most brutal competition in Sweden is seeing who can compliment the other's mother more. Yes. Right. That's yeah. what the polite Swedish boys do and who can be the politest. 
Eric Carlson. Exactly. I feel like Canadians look at Sweden as like the cool Canada. <laughs> like even colder, even more socialist, better dressed. That's weird. Why is Sweden so much better dressed than Canada? <laughs> Why? What is? What are the social? What are the sociological reasons behind? That? Because we live too close to the Americans. That you know what? That makes total sense. Right. Yeah. We've been invaded by sweatpants and hoodies. Yeah. <laughs> like Sweden is a country where they still dress up to fly. Yeah, correct. You know? So there we go, folks. Um, please enjoy your pickled herring responsibly. Uh, Spread it week. on a very thin cracker. Um, and you know what? Enjoy Kyle Turris while you can because he's great and we're not sure how much longer he's going to be here. So uh, gather ye tourists while ye may. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, uh, good system to all of you listeners. And we will be back soon. And may the system and the herring be with you. See you next time. Say bye. For a couple of fowlers who both still live with their moms Breaking the town's local hockey team down with some microphones on No other podcast was finer Or was more of a hit with the big rig diners We never thought they'd make it past episode 5 Whoa, somehow these dudes named Shed and Paris to your life Whoa, whoa, whoa One of the things I noticed at the game today was We had said, well, they've basically gotten rid of the Centurion logo everywhere Except for on the jersey Even Spartacat's just a giant O with a face now Well, I want to talk about Spartacat Because Spartacat is still sort of Roman-themed, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he is a lion that eats Christians, right? That's that's why they got it Yeah, classic Right? Classic mascot material I was wondering, as he was firing baguettes out of a cannon Into a crowd that was clambering over each other for bread. It was a metaphor for capitalism. It is basically a metaphor for society in six months. And I was like, they've rebranded everything else. Is Spartacat the next to go? Like, is he... Are they going to get rid of the Roman theme and replace Spartacat with, like, a, a big foam O with, like, eyes and hands? It looks sort of like the Ottawa 67's logo, like, puck thing, but with a hole in the middle. Like, that's what I'm wondering if that's the next step and if it's going to, like, you know, be some German-accented O that's like, I am null. <laughs> it's a German concept of nothing. <laughs> yes, you can see through me, but I can see through you. And <laughs> the hole in my center is no different from yours, spiritually. <laughs> the only way is nihilism. The umlaut, or the eyes, I'm, I'm imagining here. Yeah, but then, I, but then I realized that, like, mascots don't have to make any damn sense, right? Like, the Leafs don't have anything with Carlton the Bear on it, right? And the Habs basically just inherited Yuppie after the Expos left, and they just put a jersey on him. It's not like they have Torchy, the human torch, <laughs> that we pass around before every game for 45 minutes. I feel like Carlton the Bear comes from that extremely like whimsical time when like military regiments would have like physical animal mascots. Yes. Like Winnie the Pooh for the Winnipeg Rifles, and like Carlton the Bear was the Maple Leafs like mascot. They're like, before we go jump over this trench and get killed horribly yeah uh, make sure you wave the bear goodbye yeah um, exactly <laughs> and then like 70 years later it's like it's jetsy <laughs> the winnipeg jets mascot i assume they have a mascot i have no idea what mascot they have my point is your mascot does not need to be necessarily completely linked with your brand it can just be a weird furry thing you put a jersey on 
And I would imagine that they can keep Spartacat next year, even if they completely rebrand and they don't have to go with a foam German O who teaches children about nihilism. Look, if Wyndon Sluidge taught us anything, is that no one is bigger than the team. <laughs> Everyone can be replaced. <laughs> and, you know, well, I think... Slew is the original Chris Neal. He's playing that long game. He's still... That deal's coming. He's just waiting for the right one. You know, he's going to crush those anthems at uh, Roar of the Rings, <laughs> <laughs> the curling tournament. Right? Yeah, probably. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.